We talk a lot on this podcast about chess improvement, but when it comes to improving your hiring processes, Indeed is the platform you need. Indeed has over 350 million global monthly visitors, and it has a matching engine that helps you find quality work candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with your candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Years ago, when I was running a chess teaching business, I found it hard to find good help, and I had to go through a lot of back and forth to even screen potential candidates. Indeed allows you to do those things efficiently in one place. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed for hiring, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of Perpetual Chess will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility if you go to Indeed.com slash chess. Just go to Indeed.com slash chess right now, and you'll be supporting our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast, Indeed.com slash chess. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered ChompaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone. I am Ben Johnson, and this is the Perpetual Chess Podcast. Perpetual Chess is a weekly chess interview show where we talk with accomplished chess players, authors, and personalities about their lives, their careers, and how to improve at chess. Perpetual Chess is brought to you through the generosity of its Patreon and PayPal supporters and by Chessable.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Perpetual Chess. Before I introduce today's guest, I just wanted to quickly give a shout out to Claudio Mendicut-Fierro and Michael Carnell. For anyone who heard my interview with I am John Donaldson, they are the lucky winners and recipients of his book in the book contest. So thanks to everyone who participated, and we will do it again sometime in the near future. Now, as for this week's guest, I am excited for this interview. Um, I am joined today by one of Slovenia's top players. She is a woman grandmaster, seven-time women's national champion. She's represented her country at countless international events, including many Olympiads, my favorite tournament, of course. Uh, she's also a professor of psychology at the School of Advanced Social Studies in Nova Gorica, which I'm probably mispronouncing. Um, her doctoral thesis, by the way, was in Cognitive Information Processing, The Case for Chess. So, Obviously, we'll have something to talk about there. She's also written a book that has come out 
pretty recently from our friends at Thinkers Publishing. It's called Improve Your Life by Playing a Game. I read the book and I greatly enjoyed it. And I think it's kind of um, uniquely um, suited to be discussed on this podcast due to uh, its nature being about sort of the intersection of chess and psychology and decision making. So I am excited to finally bring in a uh, woman grandmaster and Dr. Jana Krivets. Hi, Ben. Uh, hey. So glad that you invited me. Very honored to speak to you. Thanks. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. And as I said, I really enjoyed the book. And um, we've we've had the privilege of speaking with a few cognitive scientists on the show, but not as many as we would like. <laughs> Although funny enough, Jana, you're going to be um, following a couple. We're having, it's like a cognitive scientist month here on Perpetual Chess, as we had um, a recent adult improver interview with Vishnu Srikumar and uh, Dr. Fakrister Shabri, longtime friend of the show, who you actually reference uh, the invisible gorilla in your book. Um, we'll also have just uh, rejoined the show. But but I personally, I, I find this stuff endlessly fascinating. Even if you remove the chess element, I find cognitive psychology fascinating. But then when you layer chess and chess learning and um, cognitive shortcomings uh, on top of that, I find it fascinating. And I, I think that our, our listeners do as well. Um, so Yana, I thought it might be fun for you to, to begin by you kind of just giving an overview of the cognitive biases that you see most frequently in the chess world. Mm -hmm. It can be yours or someone else's. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of them in chess world, in <laughs> normal world as well. But OK, it's normal. Um, for these biases to appear because uh, in most of the situations um, these patterns of thinking or um, behaving uh, are usually useful uh, but in some situations they become biases because uh, you know the situation is a bit different and we cannot see these difference uh, differences and then we behave the uh, uh, the way we do usually but this is wrong and then uh, biases appear and uh, that's why I think it's very important to be aware of these biases so that, that we can notice the situations uh, where our thinking or our behaving or our uh, emotions can be uh, can mislead us so um, yeah here for example um, at the beginning I would like to emphasize how this flexibility is also very important in thinking to avoid these biases uh, and to avoid this uh, fixation in thinking and this tunnel vision uh, and just try for uh, objectivity because this is something that will lead us to most optimal solutions in each situation. So uh, if we uh, reject being flexible, objective, uh, then biases may appear more often and this is something that is our choice uh, uh, how we will see things how we will approach to situations how we will reflect uh, our thoughts so about biases maybe to um, say which are the most common for for sure the first one maybe most often mentioned is einstellung effect <laughs> So, but I would um, broaden the perspective of this bias. It just means that we are stuck to the solutions that we know. We are stuck to some patterns that we know. And um, 
again, we are not flexible to see some other uh, options, other solutions, and we just um, behave the way we know. <laughs> and uh, okay, this is normally useful, but um, sometimes some uh, better way, better move, uh, just slips. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and we cannot we cannot uh, see it. So um, in this case, it's for sure it's very important to keep an open mind all the time and to um, be present in each, for example, in chess, in each position, and uh, just search for some um, deviation from things that that we know. And uh, yeah, uh, just not stuck to this. Uh, knowledge that we have completely 100% because also, you know, creativity uh, is something that uh, demands open mind uh, and uh, demands new ways of thinking and putting behind a bit our um, knowledge uh, and, and search for new ways. So, um, but the, again, it's not so easy to do it because... Um, it leads us to some uncertainty and you know we feel safer in a <laughs> in a position that we think that we have under control everything that in positions that we we think that we don't have complete control over the uh, the board so we need to know how to tolerate the uncertainty so that we can be flexible and we can avoid these kind of biases where our fixation can be a problem, even if the solution can be satisfied at the end, but we can miss something. There were, there, there were um, several experiments in psychology in this, uh, in this field. For example, they um, showed a position to a chess players and, uh, okay, in the case of smoothered mate, and they find it quickly, of course, uh, but the... the um, they should find the quickest way to win the game, but uh, they immediately found the smoother method and didn't try to search further. And they missed quicker way, but okay, they, they found the good enough solution. Right. Also, yeah, which is also, um, it can be a good thing in life also, not to strive for perfection all the time, but just to be satisfied with good enough solution. Um, so it's not such a clear <laughs> bias or clear uh, negative thing, but it depends. Sometimes yeah. it can be really devastating if we cannot um, move away, step a bit higher and see the whole picture and see something um, different, something new that may appear in new situation in life or in chess. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. This is one interesting, I think, um, <laughs> phenomenon <laughs> that can happen. Um, then another thing that is um, also very um, common, uh, can be seen from different angles, is how we perceive our knowledge and how confident are we in our knowledge and um, whether it's objective or it's too subjective, so it deviates from the uh, real knowledge that we possess. So here uh, there is one um, 
well-known effect that is called Dunning-Kruger effect. Maybe. Yes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, especially when we begin to learn something and um, with little knowledge, at one point we think that we know everything. It's also, for example, in Kahneman's theory, thinking that you know everything there is, there exists, that exists. Yeah, what you see is all there is, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Illusion of superiority. Yeah, well, for anyone who's not familiar, could you define the Dunning-Kruger effect? Because I do see it in the chess world, for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, it's the the the, the um, relation between the uh, experiences and expertise that we have and uh, the level of confidence that we have in this knowledge of ours. Um, and at the beginning, this line uh, goes up very quickly, extremely exponentially. Uh, we learn a little bit and we think this is everything that exists in the field and uh, we think that we know everything, that we, we just know how to play chess. But when we start to play more seriously and we uh, get more experiences, then we start to realize how much is there is out there to learn and how much we still don't know. And this is quite the depressive phase, right? Because um, then we start to realize there's a lot of knowledge that we don't have and um, we start to feel that we are not as strong as we thought we are and uh, yeah if we cannot cope with that it can be um, um, depressing phase but the problem is that also in this peak of our uh, phony confidence we can make uh, um, bad mistakes and also in life for example there are a lot of such um, um, opportunities where people thought, I don't know, um, they know everything about some financial construct and they put uh, all their money into some pyramid funds or yeah. <laughs> and they lost everything. And it's, you know, the point is that they didn't know what they were willing uh, uh, dealing with. So um, this is uh, an example, for example, of this. Yeah. And then slowly we start to, with experiences, with practice, we start to get um, objectively, uh, objective um, definition of our knowledge and uh, realistic self-confidence. So hopefully, uh, yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> we, don't, we don't know for it. sure. Yeah, well, but in chess, this is something that um, we have to do it you know through uh, chess development through chess career you do not um, get better if you don't get over such uh, biases and hypocrisies <laughs> and you have to be objective otherwise already lasker said that lies and objectives don't last long on chess boards so. yeah fam famous lasker quote is yeah a, but it's true it's one. true in on every level on every aspect um and this is one of the most important constructs, I think, objectivity in life. Because if our subjective vision and perspective of life is as objective as, as it can be, then we can uh, behave properly and get the, uh, the answer that we expect from the environment. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, if our picture of the world is distorted, then 
we will behave one way that will not um, that will not be appropriate for uh, the world, <laughs> how it works, and uh, we will get into yeah, but every, everyone goes through it. Yeah. So the last group yeah. quote is on the chessboard: lies and hypocrisy do not survive long. The creative combination lays bare the presumption of a lie, the merciless fact culminating in the checkmate contradicts the hypocrite. Mm -hmm. And regarding the uh, Dunning-Kruger effect, I definitely see it. Um, I mean, anyone is susceptible. And as with a lot of these cognitive biases, being aware of them doesn't necessarily mean that you're not susceptible to them. But I see it in particular with newer players who are really excited about chess and ready to, to dive in and spend a lot of time studying it. But they often have um, misapprehensions about the learning curve. And it, it's funny that you mentioned um, the finance world, because I had a similar experience personally in the finance world when I got really interested in financial markets. And I thought that I was going to figure out things faster than other people. Yeah. And it, it didn't work out that way. Mm -hmm. And in chess, often, like when you realize the sort of mountain in front of you, that's when when the journey really begins. But mm -hmm. but I mean, there's there's so much to learn. Mm -hmm. And and also, um, Yana, getting back to what you said about the uh, the what you see is all there is effect, which you could also sort of describe as tunnel vision, as uh, Kahneman discusses in Thinking Fast and Slow, and as you mentioned in your book. So chess players, uh, again, it's good to be aware of it. And I mean, a manifestation in a chess game might be someone just focusing on their own plan and not really thinking about what their opponent's trying to do. Um, what sort of advice do you give? Like, how how can we combat that in our games? I, well, it's uh, nothing is easy. Just you know to to overcome it with one um, in with one, one hour. One bit of advice from you. <laughs> yeah, for uh, every big thing need, deserves a lot of uh, hours of work. So also here you need to analyze games, and then you can see you know how many mistakes you've done during one game, and uh, then you realize that you're not as good as you. Uh, think you are and you of course uh, sometimes even the trainer can tell you something and you don't believe him you need to experience on your own you need to see it on your own in your own game that you will lose if you will continue to play like this even though you think it's the right way and then you know some things cannot be just thought uh, out of books but has to be uh, played and experienced all the feelings <laughs> uh, that comes uh, with uh, with these experiences. So and you know the memories that are um, combined with feelings are stronger and they <laughs> they last longer. So uh, yeah, but the the great point, a uh, great aspect of chess is that okay, we can lose a game or two or ten. But we don't have to lose, you know, a house or <laughs> all our Yeah, activities. that's true. So, yeah. Although sometimes it feels like it. It feels like you lost a house or something. Yeah, but that's good because the feelings are, you know, uh, uh, real <laughs> or yeah. on the same level. But the real consequences are not that devastating. So um, so that's the, the good point, I think, <laughs> uh, yeah. of chess, that we can learn things that are also useful in everyday life but in a bit uh, in a bit more safe environment from our existential point of view even though yeah again it's very important how we define loss in chess you know it's not at the end of the world if we lose a game you know some people yeah. don't have uh, food to put in their mouth 
but and they, they, they are hungry and thirsty and uh, we have to uh, compare things in life and put priorities and then we can see that to lose a game is not the end of the world but it's a you know path to to grow to um, develop in chess so this is yeah. a good thing that we have to learn otherwise uh, we cannot you know play chess if we are afraid to lose but this is some other uh, bias that is very often um, uh, in a chess player's mind, you know, that uh, to lose is much more difficult than, uh, it, it's very difficult to lose. Therefore, we try to avoid, it's again, one of the Kahneman's also biases, loss averse, we try to do everything to, to avoid the loss. Uh, we rather, make two draws than to lose one game yeah. but at the same time it's the same yes if we make two draws or we lose one and um, and win one game and that's that also in um this manner we we start to uh to see our opponents in a certain way for example it can be the opposite of the <laughs> dan and kruger effect this lack of confidence is also problematic if it's not objective uh, um, you know we are so afraid of the opponent that we can see some ghosts <laughs> in each of his move and uh, then it affects our play we start to you know be passive we we don't play uh, our normal game but we start to um yeah just pull the pieces back and uh, defend and um of course, this does not lead to mate, and it's again um, problematic <laughs> approach, problematic perspective. Yeah, um, yeah. Hearing hearing you talk about the need to be sort of confident but not overconfident, I also liked um, liked in the book where you talked about the idea of like there being an optimal level of anxiety before a tournament game. Mm -hmm. Like you, you know, you don't you. If you're just not worried at all, it's not great because you might just make a careless error. But if you're absolutely petrified, mm -hmm. um, that, that's not ideal either. Mm -hmm. And um, and we actually have a question related to that coming uh, a bit later. Um, and I actually, I do want to dive into the listener questions because we've got some good ones mm -hmm. um, and I don't want to miss them. But first, Yana, we're going to take a break and hear from our friends at Chessable. The latest from Chessable.com includes Lifetime Repertoires, Queen's Gambit Decline, brand new from Grandmaster Alex Cholovich. There's also a short and sweet version that you can check out for free. Speaking of chess psychology, as we are with our guest, Dr. Kravetz, this week, there is a brand new course called The Psychology of Chess Tactics that gets into the mental game behind finding chess tactics. And last but not least, popular Grandmaster Simon Williams, a.k.a. Ginger GM, has a fun new course called Grandmaster Gambits 1E4. And all of this can be learned with Chessable's proprietary move trainer technology. So go to chessable.com and see what they have to offer. And we are back, and we are going to dive into our uh, first question from the Patreon mailbag. This is from a friend of the podcast, Ewan Richardson. Um, and Ewan asks, he says, I pride myself on not being an angry person, but chess, a game of emotions, high and low, seems to be my exception. After a frustrating loss or a string of losses, after attempting to gain back my lost rating, chess, chess, chess is capable of bringing out a lot of frustration and anger. I know I'm not alone in this, as playing on tilt seems quite common. 
For me, this even extends to puzzles and my puzzle ratings. In my unprofessional opinion, it also seems akin to gambling, the mindset of needing to recoup your losses, which often leads to further losses in rating and further anger, sunk cost fallacy maybe. Why do you think this is and what can I do to mitigate my negative emotional responses? Very much looking forward to reading your book. And he, and you and, and a few other people asked about an electronic copy, which we'll get to in a minute. But first, let's let's tackle Ewan's question. Yes, of course, this uh, no one is, is immune to losing a game of chess. Of course not. You can see, I don't know, um, Kaspar or Karas and uh, how emotional they get when they lose a game. Um, but the, the fascinating thing is that even though, for example, Carson uh, is very angry when he loses a game, but he comes back uh, twice as strong <laughs> the next day and beats uh, his opponent the next day. So this is something that uh, I think uh, each great player has to possess. So it's nothing uncommon. Of course, if, if uh, something is meaningful to us and uh, losing that thing represents a kind of threat to us, so it's not uh, unusual to be angry about ourselves or if we think that we made some mistake, if there is some obstacle or sad if we lose because we lost something. Uh, so it's kind of important also to realize what feeling we are um, experiences, experiencing. Is it law? Is it uh, sorrow? Is it anger? Anger? Because if there's anger, it's more active feeling. If there is loss, you know, it's more um, passive feeling. Um, and loss is when we lose something that is important to us. Anger is when we face an obstacle or if we feel that something is um, not right, something not right happened, if there is injustice, you know, we, we might uh, overlook something and this is, you know, anger. And from, from my perspective, anger is a bit better from the <laughs> um, playing point of view. So um, it's not a problem, of course, if this anger doesn't lead us to uh, making reckless decisions and letting the, this emotion to take over our mind. Uh, so uh, in these cases of overwhelm, <laughs> we have to stop, we have to calm down and um, no one else can do it for us. We have to uh, detect when this feeling appear appears and when it's too strong, even during the game, it can also be excitement not just anger or <laughs> sadness or sorrow, also excitement. We can do some um, overlooks or stupid things when we are overexcited and we think, oh, we are already winning the game. Uh, and then we miss some um, good move of the opponent. So um, as you said, it's, it, it is valid for anxiety, but also for other feelings. Uh, if we play with no feeling, no uh, anxiety, then it means that it doesn't matter to us. So we don't have motivation. But if it's too um, overwhelming that we freeze, we cannot think, you know, because it's flight, fight. Uh, yeah. we become, uh, uh, 
yeah, we freeze because we think that the threat is such, so big that we cannot do anything and we just freeze and we cannot think in this situation. So it's for chess playing, it's quite um, <laughs> uh, annoying situation. So we need to stop. We have some techniques how to do that and just maybe to, to um, see some <laughs> written cards with some stop signs or something. But just <laughs> to, first, of course, to realize that uh, it's a situation when we need to calm down, we need to stop this rumination, stop these um, feelings, um, and then to calm down with some, I don't know, breathing techniques, uh, uh, imagination, visualization <laughs> techniques with the anchoring. But this also uh, demands some prior uh, training. If we yeah. would train this beforehand, then it will be easier also during the game to evoke this uh, calmness uh, when necessary. Um, so yeah, everything is a uh, is has to be trained. It it cannot just you know appear out of nowhere. Now uh, I'm doing like this, and the next day I will uh, completely change myself. It's not like that. Um, so yeah, and this relaxation techniques, I don't pro progressive muscle relaxation. Then we have I don't know mindfulness techniques, very uh, common these days. So um, yeah, and also you know, it helps if we narrow our focus on the process itself. You know, to um, start calculating variations on very structured way to put some structure because otherwise we are just these feelings and we are experiencing it without um without any structure or plan but and we start to think about the result and this is not good uh when we play the game we have to focus on the process itself uh, not on the result if we start to think about the result we we become or afraid or <laughs> um, different feelings, but uh, we need to yeah systemize our thinking, uh, start to search for possibilities, evaluate them, and so on. So um, this is also something that can be trained. Um, and yeah, there is um, an interesting also concept in psychology. We call it cognitive dissonance. Um, it's a kind of lying to ourselves <laughs> so that we uh, adjust uh, or uh, narrow our thinking and and our behavior. So if we, yeah, uh, as your um, listener said, uh, yeah, we want to get back what we lost, but yeah, this is not the right way, but it's difficult to invest a lot of things, let's say time or energy or money, whatever, and then leave it and admit the mistake and we say, and say, okay, we made the mistake and we go out and we leave all this money that we invested. And the more money that we invested, the more difficult it is to leave that activity because the gap is getting bigger between our behavior and our mind our uh, our thinking and so this is this can be problematic because um if we continue to do that then um the consequences will be worse and worse um so it's better to admit mistakes as early in in the early phase then to 
leave them to you know exaggerate and um, cause the the, the big, bigger problems. And uh, also in chess, if you make a move, if you make start a plan that it's not good, uh, then it's better to admit the mistake and go back and correct it with another plan, another move, than to just stick with that plan just because you already made one move. Um, so yeah, and this is dangerous <laughs> to stick with yeah. your mistakes and not uh, uh, not admit that you made a mistake. And uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, and Yuen has plenty of company. I see lots of discussions on uh, Twitter amongst chess players about people struggling with blitz and bullet tilt. Um, I'm no stranger to it myself. So mm -hmm. I, I have a bit of advice. Not that I not that I follow it 100 of the time, but um, Charles Duhigg in the book, uh, The Power of Habit, he talks about this idea of having bright lines, which basically means you you set rules for yourself that you're very clearly not going to cross. Um, and I think with like computer online stuff in particular, it can be um, important um, because there's no one necessarily monitoring your behavior. If you have some like multi-hour blitz session that makes you have a sleepless night, there's no one necessarily watching you. Um, whereas if you're like at a chess club, everyone's going to see you and there's going to be like some public shame, but mm -hmm. anyway, it can be helpful to set rules about like when I'm, when I'm following my rules, my rules are, if I play blitz online, if I, I always look at every game, um, immediately afterwards, I don't go into a frenzy where I just play and play and play. Um, and I also might set a limit about the number of games I play, but I, in terms of, uh, the bright lines, um, uh, framing that Charles Duhigg used, what I've noticed is it's really true that if you violate the rule even once, if you bend the rule even like a tiny bit, it's just all over. And <laughs> for me, I've noticed, especially with Bullet, which I'm trying not to play even at all, um, it just leads to these frenzies where you just waste hours at a time. And even in Blitz, like, and especially if you're like trying to reach some rating goal or something, um, it's really hard. So I definitely agree with uh, Dr. Kravetz that setting you know most of the work needs to be done when you're not playing you know like <laughs> set those rules in advance uh visualize the scenarios in advance do whatever you need to do um to to develop the proper habits but it's definitely it's it's not easy um so yeah yeah it's not easy but uh, i agree totally with what you said if you plan ahead then it's not such a so, so un unknown situation and you reach it you know you have a safety plan as you said rules uh you can interpret them as a safety plan for example suicidal people have a safety plan because right yeah when the emotions are there you cannot think straight and you need to just do to look at this safety plan, which can uh, uh, hang from the wall, and then you, you see, call this person, and you will call it. You know, just follow this rule. It's it's much easier than to decide in that situation and think clearly because you cannot. So these written rules, uh, even though it sounds maybe primitive, but uh, it helps in such situations because you don't have control over your, you know, your you're uh, um, taken by uh, emotions you're uh, yeah. in and um, it's difficult to stop it sometimes but yeah as you said the, the more you train the easier it is to control uh, all this uh, yeah and so so yana have you struggled with these issues at all in terms of like online chess uh 
You mean only on? Uh, I mean, like, I, do you do you, do you have, find it hard to quit playing, or do you find yourself chasing a certain rating or stuff yeah. like that? <laughs> yes, yeah, of course, uh, we all have <laughs> the same problem. Yeah. it's like it's very addictive because you know you uh, you need to to recap these losses or win some some games, and also you know it's. It's a motivation, it's dopamine because you expect some reward at one point, which is not so certain, but at one point maybe there will be a reward and you you want to have it and you cannot just leave it and finish and go to bed without the, re the reward uh, that you are striving for. But um, yeah, after the few losses then, um, you know, and the drops of rating, <laughs> then I say, yeah. okay, <laughs> yeah, there's no point. And, uh, I yeah. tried and it never stop. feels that good. Like if you, <laughs> you, get, if you get to, yeah, if you like don't follow the plan you had and you end up like chasing some rating goal or something, and you do, if you do get it like 90 minutes later, it doesn't even feel good. You know, it's like five minutes later you've forgotten about it, and you're like, why? <laughs> why did I do that? Yeah, um, yeah, but usually you don't get it. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. You know. Yeah, you're, usually you do not. Yeah, um, you're forcing. You know, you're not thinking straight, and then you are forcing and making moves that are not um, optimal so um, optimal to your play so it, it yeah it cannot be a successful strategy in the long run so um, it's one of the most difficult things I think um, to finish when you are losing it's also I don't know a lot of chess players are playing poker and uh, yeah. <laughs> it's also uh, this tilting is also very common and yeah bullet in particular i used to be a poker player and it's a very mm -hmm. similar feeling like yeah, it's just yeah. basically the same thing yeah um, you need to accept the loss without trying to um to repair it in that exact moment but uh, you need to uh, see the broader picture you will repair it but not just you know in chess you also need to learn how uh, about this delayed reward you don't have to have it immediately right now so what is the maybe redefine the reward it's not the, the win of one game but let's say in six months i will <laughs> um, grow with rating for uh yeah or the reward could be based on following your rules so that so that you're you're, yeah. you're not like uh you have the right incentives yeah yeah but maybe at that point it's difficult to realize that that is a reward but yeah, well, you you could actually, but you could have like a treat or whatever, or drink, you know what, you know, yeah, yeah. A, like set set up a framework to reward yourself. Yeah, um, at some but, point, yeah, you can also use this external uh, stimulation, yeah. not only internal. But I think the most important is um, to experience both variations, both both scenarios, and uh, that you see that. If you would continue to play like that, you would lose even more. So uh, the reward is there because you just lost, uh, you know, one game instead of ten games. If I exaggerate a bit, so it's it is a reward. There is a reward. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> Not losing nine games, it's <laughs> a reward itself, but it's difficult to see it. So yeah, you have to go through some experiences to realize uh, such things and yeah but also some external uh, stimulations can also 
um, be good and uh, social support is also very important in chess i think with, with which is a, yeah which is especially hard during the pandemic unfortunately yeah but otherwise you know sometimes it's difficult because if you lose a game you cannot change anything in that moment so you need um yeah to to put your focus somewhere else not <laughs> just ruminating yeah. what you did wrong what you did wrong there is time after the tournament okay of course we uh, all just players analyze their games immediately after <laughs> to see where they made a mistake but if you know this rumination continues through the night and you cannot sleep and you just think uh, what you sh should have done in the game then this is not effective and it will not bring you <laughs> any positive things for the next game so um you need to refocus your attention from that game to the next one, and um, yeah, after the game, after the tournament, then you start to do different analysis, uh, more holistic and deep. So it's not time; uh, the time is not right, <laughs> you know, uh, during the tournament or just. So in this case, social support is very important. Um, yeah. Um, okay, well, good advice, you and I hope this was helpful, but I hate to tell you, it's basically a lifelong struggle. <laughs> it never goes away. Uh, you know, this um, is life, it's active. You have to be active. You have to learn new things, develop yourself, personality. So it's life, it's not something that we should take as a burden. Oh, we have to train. No, it's it's also a nice process and it's a, a nice feeling when you develop some quality of yours and uh, some skill and uh, it's not it's it's life we, if we are not active we stop you know <laughs> um so i think we should take it um from this bright perspective not uh, from you know, <laughs> okay complaining <laughs> about it i like that Okay, and we've got another question from the Patreon mailbag. Uh, Patreon supporters of the podcast, of course, are able to find out the guests in advance. And we got some good questions for Yana. And this one is from Brian D'Souza. And Brian says, he says, anxiety and stress levels have increased in the general population due to the, the current coronavirus pandemic. And it's probably safe to say that this also applies to the chess playing population. Two questions. Is playing competitive chess helpful or harmful when suffering from anxiety and stress issues? And number two, how can someone deal with a stressful moment in an online tournament game, especially when one is on camera and therefore typical over the board strategies, such as getting up from the board, going for a short walk and revision, revisiting the position with fresh eyes are not available? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, Corona, of course, changed uh, many things in our lives. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Just players who are uh, adaptable, and we moved <laughs> to uh, the online playing. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you know, just in normal life, you see Corona news every day, um, hundreds of times, and everything just uh, circles uh, around this theme. So chess. For the beginning, chess is very good to escape <laughs> from this world, and chess is something that really um, gets your attention you're in a flow when you're playing chess so this is something that can um, distract your maybe negative thinking uh, and uh, worries of everyday life um, 
but okay, now if uh, you're playing chess and uh, losing a game um, means a disaster for you, then it can be a burden. But um, I think that it can also be very uh, helpful and th therapeutical if we, uh, you know, take it more um, as a game or we just, uh, you know, um, analyze why we worry so much if we lose a game, what's uh, such a big um, uh, it, it's such a, a, a big thing to us to lose a game because it's not, uh, you know, this is really a therapeutical thing uh, through projection of chess uh, and the, the loss of a game because we don't have to be perfect in everything and this is something, for example, that is highly connected with, with uh, anxiety, uh, this perfectionistic thinking and if we are not doing everything perfectly then we are worthless and other people will not love us, we will not uh, be uh, competent of every, anything. So uh, chess is again a perfect domain um, to analyze, self-reflect uh, our thinking and um, experiences um, in the cases if we lose a game or how we defined the the result that is so important for for us so that we we get so um, anxious during the game and it's not necessary so um, but again I think it it is good if this process is guided to it uh, by someone and if we take it step by step with uh, again uh, inclusion of some relaxation techniques uh, because if the anxiety is um, too high then it can be harmful but if we do it properly in a proper way um, with appropriate uh, self-reflection self-analysis then then um, it can be a good thing it can be very therapeutical there are um, Therapeutical approaches, including chess and chess pieces, as a projective, projective uh, mean to uh, express feelings. And but it helps if yeah, if you speak to someone what uh, what is going on during the game of chess. For example, it's also very interesting if you write down the game in a formula, and then you you can analyze your writing, you know, and you can see what was happening during the game just from the formula. Uh, because you see, you see the the level of peacefulness or <laughs> anxiety right. in the yeah. Uh, so just doing it the right way, and it can be very very um, healthy, not <laughs> harmful. But yeah, yes, but, uh, again, yeah. everything can be harmful if we do the same way, <laughs> and we don't we don't have the will to change we don't have the um yeah uh, motivation um to improve something and uh, we don't um take time and realize what we are doing wrong if we want to change something when this is inevitable we cannot avoid this <laughs> yeah. analysis also of ourselves um and the, the second part of the question was something connected with the uh, computers and uh -huh. well, specifically playing online. Yeah, he's saying he's he it sounds like Brian has developed some um, de-stressing 
uh, techniques for when he's playing mm -hmm. over the board, but they often involve movement. Uh, they often involve uh, like standing up and walking around and stuff like that. So, but when you're playing online, because everyone's concerned about cheating, you can't leave the mm -hmm. camera. So he's yeah. saying, what could he do as like a calming technique? Yeah. Um, and, and and also, um, Yana, I don't know if you have any sort of general recommendations about like resources you could point people to who are interested in developing some sort of um, calming techniques. Like, is there a certain book? I mean, obviously everyone recommends meditation generally, but mm -hmm. are there any specific resources you would recommend for developing uh, like uh, coping mechanisms, de-stressing? There, there are several. Um... I would divide them in several fields, like, uh, you know, uh, starting with your mind, cognitive <laughs> approach. So how just, you know, writing down, this is some deriving from, for example, from cognitive, cognitive behavioral uh, therapy. You have uh, plenty of books also for um, general public uh, on this topic, just to be, um, you know, this, this, um, they say cognitive distortions are very automatic and we, we are not aware of them, but they cross our minds all the time. Uh, I'm not capable of doing this. I should do this and stuff like right. that. Uh, black and white thinking, personalization, a lot of uh, cognitive distortions uh, that are harmful for us and, uh, you know, their approach is that uh, mind, emotions, and behavior is connected, um, interconnected. So we can start from each of these points. So, um, for example, cognitive behavior therapy is something that is very exact, and um, you start to uh, write down your thoughts and then start to um, transform them into more um, positive into more functional. Uh, so, and this would help the other <laughs> two aspects. Then, of course, we have this behavioral uh, approach and uh, relaxation techniques, autogenic training uh, is uh, something that, of course, it's very um, classical technique and uh, with breathing techniques, mindfulness is very popular uh, these days. Um, um, yeah, visualization, Im imagination techniques are also very popular. Then, um, yeah, we can also start with the, the very practical things like um, trying new things in, in, in life, um, problem solving, um, this everyday things that we are doing, but we just start to do it in, uh, in a different way. So, um, but as I said, everything demands practice to be successful. Um, it's not that we will do it one time and uh, <laughs> we will start to behave differently. Um, so yeah. Um, behind computer, um, we can still do some of these techniques. For example, colorful breathing is some technique for, um, as I said, anchoring where we uh, um, recall some feelings that we associated with an anchor beforehand. And uh, um, 
and also okay these online games are usually shorter than mm -hmm. classical games so you still have time to uh, go and take a, a deep breath outside for get the fresh air and also you know you can adjust the environment to you more personally than you know big tournament hall where everyone sits there and uh, yeah um i think the techniques are more or less the same and okay yeah. and can you think i mean i know you cover this in your book i mean your book i think it would be quite helpful to brian and to others mm -hmm. but um can you think of any specific resources if there's anyone listening who's never tried any sort of relaxation technique um um, and if you can't think of it, you can always let me know and I'll, I'll uh, put it in, like I'm putting you on the spot. So you can let me know and I can uh, put it in the show notes if you can't think of anything offhand. But I'm sure there are people who, who would like to try it but are like fairly new. I mean, I, you know, um, I have some history with this, but I don't even remember what resources I, I initially used. But anyone who's taken up meditation sort of learns, uh, learns these, these methods. I mean, uh, there are so many, even if you Google, uh, you just need the, the, the right, you know, uh, terminology and uh, you just Google like autogenic training or progressive muscle relaxation or. Um, uh, what was the first one? I heard, I heard progressive. What was the one before progressive muscle relaxation? Autogenic training. Auto, auto, okay. You have also very interesting methods, uh, new one, uh, neuro or biofeedback. You have uh, such a devices that um, monitor either your um, neural uh, brain waves or uh, your physiological response, uh, like heart rate or um, skin conductance, and they give you feedback through computer and through and you play games <laughs> which are um, uh, which are actually responses of your for example state of relaxation uh, very interesting to do it and uh, you just find your way of relaxing or concentrating because you know uh, or for example uh, you have this um, dry measure measurement of uh, EEG your brain waves and if you um, and for example, delta waves are very uh, are there when you are very concentrated, and um, beta waves or theta waves are where you are very very relaxed. And so the the this device measures your brain waves and shows you if you go to the right direction or not. And you see this feedback, and you can adjust or just try new things and then you realize what really means being relaxed because sometimes we just we mean okay we are relaxed but in reality we are still tense so this is also something that is uh, very interesting uh, or desensitization it's also one technique that um, divides one activity into smaller parts and then um, you know, you do one active one part of this activity that is still manageable to survive without too much anxiety, and then you use some also some relaxation techniques. Um, mindfulness, as I said, it's also very uh, modern and uh, popular 
this is the awareness uh, without any judgment and um, expand um, um, perception and expanded um, focus, but without any judgment. So uh, if any kind of negative uh, thought comes and you just uh, track it out and uh, you just stay in the moment and just take it as it is. And it's this is kind of um, philosophy. So okay. each of these um, techniques has a lot of books, a lot of uh, web pages where you can find concrete um, uh, res recipe practically how to do it. So um, yeah, it's not difficult to find it if you want and it's guided also. Um, so you, if you're prepared, you can do these uh, exercises. Um, I also put in my book a few links and a uh, few references, but I don't know if there is one that really stands out and um, because, you know, it's also um, sometimes it's good to to find the best thing that suits you best. I mean, uh, there's no um, clear recipe that would be the best for all people. Someone prefers this, someone prefers that, and you need to do a bit, search a bit and then find the thing that helps you best and try to practice with that. Okay, yeah. good advice. I, ho I hope that's helpful, Brian. Um, and Jana, I wanna get into your own chess game and your own chess career a little bit, but first we're going to take a break and uh, hear from our friends at Chess Mood. Perpetual Chess is brought to you in part by ChessMood.com. Here is what ChessMood offers. It is a subscription-based website that provides a comprehensive opening repertoires, both for white and for black. They also have middle game and end game videos from their cast of professional Grandmaster trainers. They also have some free content that you can check out. Grandmaster Avchek Gregorian, who's their founder and you can hear on episode 192 of Perpetual Chess, has a blog where he writes about common challenges for tournament players that you can check out for free. And they also started offering free YouTube videos called Daily Lessons with the Grandmaster. So go to their website, check out what they have to offer, and be sure to subscribe to their YouTube as well. And let's get back to the interview. Okay, and we are back. And Jana, we've we spent so much time talking about sort of the metagame of chess, the uh, psychology of chess. We haven't talked about your own career very much. And obviously, you're a uh, Quite, quite accomplished. Um, so I know you started chess as a girl and became a woman grandmaster, many time uh, national woman champion. Um, so what what was instrumental in your chess growth? What 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 do you think helped you the most in terms of uh, your your um, improvement? Mm -hmm. Well, um, I would say that uh, very important was the approach of my parents because of course on the beginning of each career when you start young uh, parents have an important role and uh, there are a lot of stories in chess where parents fulfill their dreams through uh, the children and uh, this doesn't end well usually <laughs> because there's too much stress and uh, too little enjoyment i think that you need to do things 
out of enjoyment, especially on the beginning of your career when uh, you're young, you need to do things because you like to do them. But I, okay, I, I think you need to do this all your life, you know, just to ask yourself, what would you like to do and do it for the fun? <laughs> not, uh, we are not doing things to suffer, right? Sometimes it seems like that, <laughs> you know, if we play yeah. and we are just in a bad mood, most of the time, then what's the point? So uh, I was quite, luck quite lucky from uh, this point of view. And also they found me the trainers that suits, suited uh, a particular period of my development. For example, at the beginning, um, there was a, a nice, kind guy, a co-worker of my father, and we, uh, we practice in a... In a very pleasant well, uh, way without too many pressures. And I also liked uh, to go to tournaments. I met friends there. I went to see new places. Uh, and this was something that um, motivated me to play and attract <laughs> me. And then, of course, when you, um, when you grow up and you dig deeper into chess, then you find uh, the, the beauty of chess itself and all the possibilities and um, the, motiva the motivation changes a bit and you start to enjoy, you know, creating games and you want to be better all the time. And uh, but, yeah, most of the time I had good trainers. I like to, to train with trainers. Uh, not so much alone or with computer or with book, of course, uh, I couldn't avoid that. But um, I preferred to have this uh, <laughs> social aspect, yeah. Yeah, and to, to speak to, to speak about some dilemmas with someone, not just, you know, uh, with myself. And um, but for, for example, at one point, I had some one trainer. Um, that was not appropriate for me at that time because uh, he was more focused on the openings and I never liked to study openings. You know, I was a more creative chess player. And it's also very important that a trainer knows the, the pupil, the student, and he adjusts, you know, the, the training process to the pupil, not vice versa. <laughs> because, um, you know, I, I had... A, such an attacking style of playing and uh, it was not for me just to study openings and then you know when I made a mistake okay we finished <laughs> analyzing game this was not uh, was not for me and I uh, my strength decreased uh, uh, at that point so yeah it's very important this um, um, taking into account the personality traits of a student and uh, adjust the training process to that and also the style of positions or playing style uh, and openings that you select it's very important that they suit your style your playing style so um yeah most of the time i was lucky <laughs> with with this so uh yeah but as I said, for me, the whole chess career, um, I, I, I kind of knew that I will not be a professional chess player, even though I can 
easily say that, that chess is very much involved in my life. As you said, I was writing diploma and PhD, everything <laughs> is, is around chess. Um, and uh, I still play a bit. I played on 11th Olympians 22 years. I went to the Olympiad and I adjusted That's my amazing. life. Yes. Yeah. But at the same time, I knew that my goal was to become a grandmaster. And I knew that if I wanted to do more, that I would have to invest a lot, much more energy, much more time uh, into training. So, uh, and that was not my desire or, or goal because I was studying all the time. Um, so, yeah, I kind of um, combined <laughs> uh, this pleasure of playing chess and um, enjoyment in um, creating games and of course the uh, this achievement was uh, the goal in the goal of achievement was a, a grandmaster title so um, I had this <laughs> yeah. Got somehow mm -hmm. And before the Olympiad last year ended up moving online, were you planning on playing again uh, for Slovenian? Uh, yeah, well, this year we have European uh, team championship in Slovenia. Yeah, I was referring to last year's because I know last year's it was yeah, eventually it, it should have moved been online. Year. Yeah, it should have been last year, but it moved uh, to this year. It was not online. But... Well, last year the Olympiad was online. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think I even was in the team, but I didn't play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just not the same. It doesn't. Not, it's yeah. not like getting on a plane. No, and, no, no, I don't. I don't like. yeah. yeah, it somehow I cannot really um, connect it with some seriousness. <laughs> so yeah, I, I feel the same way. I don't even try. I know. Yeah. I was thinking of that with Brian's question of playing online, where. Um, I mean, if it's making him happy, that's fine, but it's also okay just to work on your chess and wait until you can play over the board again. Yeah, um, yeah. for me, that's a uh, real chess, so um, yeah, I cannot equalize that, so um, yeah. Well, I think I will always play a bit. Uh, yeah. Once you're just played, you cannot go back and you will stay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, of course, I have other priorities now in life, and it's also very different when I go to play chess. And you know, I, the third move, I'm already in troubles and forget what I should play because I forgot a lot of things, and um, especially in the openings. And it's not the same, you cannot fight on the same level. But again, I go because I like chess and I like to play uh, a game a few games now and then and um, I don't know why I should quit, quit completely and never play the game in my life anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so I, but I, I choose the tournaments that are um, that are nice ones. <laughs> you know, they are, that are by the sea or the... Uh, yeah, I, good, good, good way to do it. Mm. Excellent. Well, yeah, we have one more listener question if you're okay. Um, mm -hmm. Great. So this one is related to chess learning, and it is from John Quist. Um, and John asks, he says, um, with awesome teaching aids like Chessable available, learning chess seems much easier than in the past. The martyr in me thinks it is best to suffer slowly with books. Um, my, but my inner sloth, the lazy person in me, wants to go to the perceived 
easier route online. Do you have an opinion of if, if it's better to slog through a book or do online learning only? Hmm. It will not be easy also if you uh, yeah. learn chess in any way. It's, you know, chess is a complex game and it's difficult in any way, so you cannot avoid that. Right. Uh, yeah, but uh, I'd, I'm um, not a supporter of um, staying in the past because I think uh, everything, uh, you know, develops and uh, also training um, techniques have have developed a lot uh, and I don't know why we wouldn't use some uh, better <laughs> I don't know better ways of training with more uh, visual content with uh, I don't know modern technology and be stacked with some books um, so I, I would prefer uh, modern technology, but you know, this is, uh, yeah, again, it depends. Someone likes to open the book and, uh, yeah. yeah, see it over the board. For me, I also like to go and uh, move the pieces on the board, not to watch computer. So it depends again, how do you prefer it? But, um, there are so many other things that are important in training. I don't know that you don't avoid avoid playing tournaments and you know get experiences through the real games, not just uh, you know some some people they just train and train and train and <laughs> they don't know why. Just you know exploring things. Okay, that's a, that's another perspective, but it's you know just the goal is to play <laughs> and to yeah. win. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, living in this area era is a good opportunity because uh, everyone has access to really good um, material for studying chess. For example, in even in my time, uh, we had books that are that were written in Serbo-Croatian and okay in English, but in Slovenian language, there were a few books and no computers and there were not much opportunities to <laughs> have this variety of uh, training options. But nowadays we have it and I think uh, it would be stupid not to exploit it. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, but still yeah. as, yeah. If someone prefers to uh, take a book, go outside, take a chessboard, and this makes him feel good, then again, it's nothing wrong with with that. Just to find your way and um, to set goals, to you know, um, analyze yourself, to. Uh, discover what suits you best to not avoid some phase of playing chess for example there is i think it's um the threat of today's uh training can be that we focus too much on openings and then right. forget to play chess <laughs> so yeah. these kind of things yeah one should should be aware of yeah and i was gonna say with in regard to John's question, it also partially depends what aspect of the game you're working on. Like if you are working on openings, I, my personal opinion 
is if you're not using testable, you're you're kind of just doing it wrong, especially um, above, say, the 1800 level where you really need to memorize lines. Um, but in terms of like general study of the game, appreciating the classics, studying annotated games, I think that can be done online or it can be done analog. Um, so, um, mm -hmm. yeah, there, there's still room room for both. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. In, in yeah, room opinion. for both, and uh, uh, there's no uh, <laughs> shortcuts, no easy ways. I mean, yeah, okay, easy, easy way in a way that uh, you will like to train more, you will be motiv more motivated. That's not nothing wrong with that. I think that is good, but you know, to expect that you will just watch one video and you will know how to play chess, I think this is uh, illusion. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay. Well, well Jana, um, I know we've gone a little longer than we said, so um, um, I, I hope I want to thank you for your time. Um, do, is, was there anything else you wanted to discuss um, before we, uh, I know it's uh, nighttime over there in Slovenia, before we call mm -hmm. it a night? Um, no, I think uh, your questions were very um, uh, deep and we could discuss an important matters uh, in chess uh, so yeah i think um, we had an interesting conversation i enjoyed it a lot uh, me too <laughs> and i did want to say because a couple people had written in to ask about if there would be an ebook um i don't know how much you're in touch with uh, dan and romaine about this I, I i've been in touch a little bit so do you want <laughs> me to answer it or do you want um yeah i'm want... in touch with daniel uh, <laughs> And he said that yeah, they're planning to to um, to do it somewhere, someone somewhere in May. Oh, okay. So there will be one because I know that it's not going to be on forward chess because it's mostly prose. I mean, there's actually a lot of pretty infographics in the book, but there's not as much actual chess in the book. It's more mm -hmm. about the psychology of chess, but it will be in some sort of ebook form. Yeah, it will be. Daniel said that they will produce it, and it will be somewhere, some, sometimes in May. Okay, in May. Yeah, that's not too long. And of course, I'm sure it will be on the Thinkers Publishing website. Mm -hmm. And of course, we should mention that um, that Thinkers Publishing always publishes a free excerpt of the book, and there is one available on the webpage that I'll link to in the show description. So if anyone wants to read a little snippet of, uh, of uh, Dr. Kravetz's book. You can check it out there, but I definitely recommend it um, generally. Um, I, you know, this, these chest psychology issues are, are always fascinating and um, Dr. Kravetz explores a lot of the, the interesting ideas. Um, then we've all got our own afflictions and I'm sure she, she touches on whatever uh, each listeners um, might be. Um, so uh, Dr. Kravetz, um, if anyone would, would want to reach you, is there a way for them to do that? Should they go through the publisher or, or email? Are you on social media? What's your preference? Yeah, I'm on Facebook. They can find me on okay. Facebook, uh, no other social media, <laughs> or email. Uh, okay. Okay, so I can link to that. Um, and yeah, thanks again, and thanks for writing a great book. And uh, what last thing? What are you researching? Is it like what's what's going on currently with your work? Is it, even if it's not chess related, I'm curious to hear. No, but it is actually just yesterday. Uh, uh, I finalized my review process for one uh, scientific article in the, the um, journal Cognitive System Research, and it's 
also it's still from my PhD. It's about this information processing, the, the research that I have done on the domain of chess. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, uh, I have also uh, other research projects that are not really related to chess, but um, yeah, we have to be uh, also researcher. <laughs> research. Yeah, of course. Um, but I enjoy that uh, part of work, you know, because um, it reminds me on chess a bit because you need to systemize the the, <laughs> the design of experiments and research, and you need to um, uh, strive for objectivity, and uh, you get this um, competition aspect from the <laughs> article's point of view and the rejection of them. <laughs> yeah, less of a meritocracy, though, unfortunately, right? Like chess uh, yeah. has the rating system, which is pretty fair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Academics, <laughs> academic world, not as fair necessarily. Yeah, that's true. Unfortunately, yeah. but okay, still. Uh, and um, yeah, I'm focusing. I'm focusing on, um, yeah, this academic career right now. Um, but I'm enjoying it too a lot. Also, freedom. <laughs> and I'm very yeah. happy that I could join. Uh, my psychological knowledge and uh, chess life experiences in in this book and i'm really happy about uh, your positive feedback it means uh, a lot to me to hear that people like my thoughts and uh, yeah it's not typically a chess book with ch uh, too many chess diagrams but i think um, this psychological aspect should not be um, forgotten, and sometimes it is, and it's always good, you know, to to be reminded of that. And um, yeah, it it's also connected with some other um, life aspect aspects, and um, I have put a lot of citation quotations in my in my book uh, just. To remind the readers um, of great minds and how uh, they incor or incorporated this in their own functioning. So, yeah. Well. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thanks so much. And thank you again for uh, having. Big shout out to Matthew Passy, my producer, been helping us for over four years. Much appreciated as always. I also would like to thank everyone who helped spread the word about the show, whether it be by word of mouth or a positive review on a podcast platform. I can't even keep track of all the platforms anymore, but every review is appreciated. I also wanted to remind you guys, you are always welcome to follow me or Perpetual Chess on social media. On Twitter, I'm at Official one That's where I'm most active. We also have the Perpetual Chess Facebook group where we post every episode and sometimes the guests chime in to continue the conversation. The Perpetual Chess Instagram page is unretired. Follow us at Perpetual Chess where we post weekly clips. If you would like to email me, the easiest way is ben at perpetualchesspod.com. Also, of course, want to thank our sponsors, chessable.com and ChessAim and ChessMood. Thanks for helping the cause, guys. Much appreciated and great products that I'm proud to be affiliated with. Last but not least, of course, I want to thank all of our Patreon and PayPal supporters. I would like to give extra special thanks to the following people 
and entities, chessable.com, David Lazarus of lasmanchess.com, Quality Chess Books, the Capital City Chess Club, the Abysmal Depths of Chess blog, Adapta Interactive Web Designs and Services, the Apprentice Twitch channel, Andrew Alharji, Andrew Bach, Anidi Deer, Austin Clough, Benjamin Porto, Bill Sigler, Kathy Carr, Chad Oliver, the Charlotte Chess Center, the Chess Central's Chess Blog, ChessMood.com, Chris Flanagan, Chris Lott, Dan O'Hanlon, Daniel He, Danny Davidson, David Schreiber, I am Dimitri Schneider, I am Eric Rosen, Eric Tam, Ewan Richardson, Farhan Thawar, Faraz Sawaf, Gary Foreman, Glenn Downing, Greg Harst, I am Greg Shahadi, Gregory Galuk, Guvin Manet, James Holyhead, James Kennedy, Jeff Martinson, Jens Green, Jeremy Nielsen, John Jernigan, John Rockefeller, John Cromarty, John MacArthur, Kelly Palmer, Kevin O'Callaghan, King Cell, the King's Crusher YouTube channel, one of the OGs of Chess YouTube, Lucio Casada Silva, the law offices of Stuart Katz, Matthew Feeney, Michael Can, FM Michael Oblin, Mike Zelazny, Mr. Mike Shahadi, the famous Mr. Dodgy, the Nerdnase Twitch channel, Peter Sodi, the Playmore Chess Academy of the Hamden Chess Club, Reuven Fisher, Reverend Roy Fry, Seattle Chess Club, Shane Unger, Stefan Kelty, Stephen Martinez, Sven Gearson, Thomas Stanix, Thomas Tachenko, Todd Bryant of StrongChess.com, Todd Kennedy, The Vintage Patsers, which is a Chess.com improver group, Wayne Beam, William Hogarth, and I also would like to thank Aaron Waffler, Ace Viega, Adam Ralph of ChessEngland.com, Adrian Gutierrez, Alan and Maggie Sue, Alex Pejas, Alexander Markovitz, FM Andre Tarakov, Dr. Andrew Perry, Angus McLeod, Barry Hessian, Bill Juniper, Bill Moran, Brad and Andy Rosen, Brett Howard Lynn, Brian Chase, Brian Mullis, Bruce Scott, Brian Tillis of Palm Beach Chess, Chad Hilton, Chess Patser Spain, I'm not sure if that one's a real name, Dr. Charles Snodgrass, Chris Wainscott, Christopher Baumgartner, Christopher Shabri, Christopher Wood, I am Christoph Zalecki, aka Chess Explained, Coach Jay's Chess Academy, Corey Budson, Costa Caras, Courtney Fry, Craig Mallon, Daniel Ginsburg, Daniel Naylor, Dave Saylor, David Bleskoczek, David Brown, David Hamblin, David Cramley of Chessable.com, Dalen Shelton, Dennis Parrish, Dirk Durker, FM Donnie Ariel, Dwayne Edmonds, Ed Daly, Ed Mead, Emmanuel Langlois, Robitai, Ethan Smith, Hallelujah Cat, Ian Mason, Indrek Ryland, Felipe Melo Pereira, Fox Valley Chess Club, Francis Latart Lavois, Dr. Frank Tortoris, Frank Zananis, Gary Andrews, Gary Lewis, Geert Vanderveld, Gene Stewart, Gerard Barta, Giovanni Russo, Han Schrute, Harish Renivasan, Howard Vihan, Jacob Kovach, Jason Apollo, Jason Murray, Jacques Perry, James Aspinwall, James Bonastia, James Muir, Jason Woolham, J.D. Chakrabarty, Jeff Anderson, Jeffrey Martello, Yep Hoyland, Jerry Wells, Jim Ratliff, Joe Valdez, Joel Thomas Ramos, John Tully, Juan Almagar, Dr. John Fallon, John Fernandez, John Fontaine, John Hartman, Jeff Jeffrey, John McMurtry, Jonathan Slater, John Quist, John Tully, Jose Rodriguez, Justin Gardner, Jen Shahadi, Joe Rocky, John Thompson, Josh Fridell, Kare Christensen, WGM, Katarina Nemsova, Kelly Palmer, Kevin Pryor, Kior Gata of the Lakeshore Chess Club, I am Kostyakovyutsky of the Chess Dojo, Krishna Gopala Krishnan, Kyle McAvoy, Larry Cook, Larry Ryforth, Laura Boyovsky, Macaulay Peterson, Mark Fitzpatrick, Mark Miller, Martin Knudsen, Martin Krug, Matthew Passy, Matthew Tedesco, Matthias Plock, Mechanics Institute of San Francisco, Michael Allard, Michael Hudson, Mike Clem, Mitchell Fabian, Nate Gabel, Nate Solon, 
Neil Bruce, Negmat Malajanov, Nicholas Isabel, Olaf Mueller Michaels, GM Pascal Charbonneau, Passy Passanen, Paul Bain, Paul Clarkson, Paul Sweeney, Paulo Santana, Peter Lux, Randy Temple, Ricky Grijalva, Richard Hallenbach, Robert Tichi, Robert Turner, Rory Coleman, Rory Yearwood, Ryan Berg, The Say Chess YouTube Channel, Scott Doherty, Scott McKinnon, Sebastian Finsterwalder, Seth Ruzica, Shane Unger, Silver Knights Enrichment, Stefan Roller, WGM Tatia of Abrahamian, Tim Brennan of TacticsTime.com, Tim Seymour, Timothy Ha, Tom Edsel, Tomas Komanich, Tony Rotella, Tyron Price, Vishnu Srikumar, William Brock, William Peterson, FM Zhao Cheng of Chess1000.com, and Zhivko Stoyanov. Thanks, as always, for the support, everyone. I will catch you guys all next week. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.